Hello and welcome to the True Hope Cast podcast where we take a deep dive into mental health's many physiological and psychological aspects. This is the show for you if you're looking for motivation, inspiration, knowledge and solutions. That's what we are all about here at True Hope Canada. And True Hope Canada is a mind and body based supplement company dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means. For more information about us and our products, please visit truehopecanada.com. Our question that we're going to finish the show with today is, how does one begin a journey towards the unconventional? And our guest is Dr. Thomas Cohen. Dr. Thomas is a well-known alternative medical doctor, author and speaker with a common sense holistic approach to health and wellness. He has given countless lectures and workshops throughout the US on various subjects in health and medicine and is the author of six books. Recent publications include The Contagion Myth, co-authored by Sally uh, Fallon. Cancer and the New Biology of Water, and Human Heart, Cosmic Heart. Until he retired from active practice, Dr. Cohen had a general medical practice in San Francisco for 17 years, preceded by 17 years in Peterborough, NH, and several years in upstate New York. He was a founding board member of the Western A. Price Foundation and currently serves as its vice president. The NewBiology.com is his latest passion, an opportunity to collaborate with other leading doctors and scientists in various new biology disciplines, share knowledge with colleagues and provide people with well-needed support for their health concerns using new biology methodologies. Today, we're going to be discussing challenging conventional views. Enjoy the show. All right, Dr. Tom, welcome to True Hope Cast. How are you? What is going well? It's going well. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, we thought one of our goats wasn't feeling well, and it turns out he seems fine. I think he just uh, didn't get enough water yesterday, so that's going well. So you've been dealing with a dehydrated goat? Maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the proper diagnosis, but <laughs> his tongue was hanging out, and he was looking a little funny yesterday. So, Well, I hope it's just a simple case of dehydration. It seems to be a simple cure for that and nothing more serious. Yes. Okay. That was good. All right. Well, today we're going to be discussing um, challenging conventional views. Big topic. I'm very interested to, to, to get some perspectives from yourself and see where this goes. And at the end of the podcast, we're going to be offering some solutions to um, um, help people begin their journey towards the unconventional. And I think a lot of people are going to get some get some really good positive um, solutions from that. But let's kick off with um, a little bit of an introduction about who you are and what it is that you do, if you don't mind. Uh, so I was a, a guy who grew up with the expectation that I would be a doctor. My parents' friends were doctors, and I didn't like it. <laughs> so I tried to do whatever I could to not be a doctor. So I joined the Peace Corps and taught gardening in Swaziland and then I realized that the kind of doctor that I didn't want to be was not the only kind of doctor there was. So I then reconciled. In fact, at that point, then it actually I found out I was fascinated in the subject. So that made it easy for me to go to medical school. And I would say the most important thing people may want to know is that I've spent my 40 plus year career investigating what in science, biology, and medicine is actually true and what isn't. And over the years, I've written a bunch of books, uh, just as an example, uh, demonstrating, I would say proving, but that may be too strong a word, 
that, for instance, the heart doesn't pump the blood, unlike what we were taught. Uh, blocked arteries don't cause heart attacks. Uh, vaccines are neither safe nor effective. Uh, later, I then found out that viruses don't exist and bacteria don't make you sick. And uh, cancer has nothing to do with genetics. And in fact, Genetics itself is not actually accurate. DNA is not hereditary material, unlike what we've been taught. Uh, there are, uh, the nerves don't have synapses and neurotransmitters have nothing to do with nerve transmission and <laughs> sort of on and on. So I just kept looking and uh, just try to find out, you know, there are certain things that we're told are true, right? And I wanted to find out uh, where they came from, how, how did we come up with this, and is it actually true? And I was willing to say it was or it wasn't, depending on whatever I found. And that's what I found. And that obviously has a big impact on how one does medicine. Yeah. Because if there's no viruses, which is the case, uh, one shouldn't give a vaccine to prevent a viral infection because that makes no sense. Uh, and it, for me, it was just a process of figuring out how do you know if there is or there isn't? Simple as that. How and where on your journey through medicine do you come to be, let's say, healthily skeptical? about these things i thought because i i think it's i think there's so many things that we are told within the, the our conventional mainstream world that we probably should shouldn't just take for granted we should ask more questions and we should be more inquisitive we should be more skeptical um and i wonder like where along your journey did you start asking these types of questions because that's not a normal pathway like your your pathway is not a normal pathway am i right in saying that yes i started when i was probably about five Okay. Uh, and people often ask me that. And of course, I don't really know, you know, I don't know what happened to me, mm -hmm. but I have a theory or a hypothesis. And, you know, if you say, if you ask somebody, so, so believing in what you're told is, is sort of like acquiescing to authority, right? Do you agree with that? Yep. And, I don't know if you would agree with this, but the main authority in a young boy's life is his father, at least for a while. Uh, so this, this, the wording of this is, I have to be careful, but I had the, the blessing, I now call it, to have a father who clearly was unreliable as an authority figure. Okay. And I, I actually heard this first from Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and he said, it's a blessing to have that because you then learn to question authority, right? Because the authority so. figure in your life is, is ridiculous. And that was clearly the case with me. I don't know if you need to go into the whole story. But I saw that by the time I was 10 or 12. So it was very natural for me. And in fact, uh, that's sort of where I went is, well, if that authority isn't right, then why should I believe any authority? And then, then came a major revelation in my life that if there's anything 
that I want people to remember from hearing me, it's this following thing. So I'll tell you this, is that the essence of common sense, proper thinking, logic, rational thinking, and I would even say science, is when somebody makes a claim, you investigate the claim and you do not need to know an alternative theory for that for that phenomenon. Let, let me give you an example. If somebody says, do you know why there's clouds in the sky and they and then rain falls? I've actually looked into this because I'm very interested in water. And I can tell you it's extremely complicated. I can imagine. The water is heavier than the air. And I don't see how the water is floating around in these clouds. And it just the whole thing is is really complicated. And so. Uh, somebody comes along and says, I know why there's rain. There's a bunch of elephants floating around in the sky and they pee down. And then that's what we call rain. Now, what I learned when I was like 20, 25 is the way to approach that situation is to say to the person, so how high up are the elephants? A mile. Are they normal sized up? Yeah, normal sized elephants. Are they, what's color, pink, gray, you know, they're gray, density, everything, right? So you got the, 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 the claim down path. Then you take a helicopter or an airplane, you go up there when it's raining, 10 different places, not a single elephant, right? I can tell you with confidence, the reason for rain is not elephants. I still don't know why there's rain. Right now, I can tell you that I can tell you with confidence, the heart does not pump the blood. There is no way I can tell you the one of the facts about that is you look at the outflow tube of the heart. It's an arch called the aortic arch. Now, think about that. Let's say you put it. You have a spigot on your house and you have a garden hose that's a, that's shaped like an arch. Right. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you. And the garden hose can bend, right? Can go like this or like this. So you turn it off, you turn it on full blast, right? What's the garden hose gonna do? It starts out like this. It's gonna stretch out, right? It's gonna straighten, yeah. right? Now, if you think about pumping blood, sticky fluid with stuff in it, that's the diameter of the vessels, about 100,000 miles, stopping halfway in its journey. That is a hell of a push, right? You know what happens to the, to the aortic arch when you, when you systole the contraction? It goes like this. It bends in. There is no possible way that you can push fluid and have the outflow tube bend in. And that tells you it's not a push, it's a suction. And then the whole thing is wrong. Now, when I was 20-some, I was working in a cardiac cath lab where they inject the dye and they watch the blood. And every time heart uh, contracts, aortic arch goes in. So I asked the cardiologist, I said, that doesn't make any sense because if it's pushing the blood, it would straighten. And I said, why is that? 
He said, well, that's just the way it does. Okay. And so I knew then that these guys, they, they have theories and dogma, and when it doesn't fit the actual facts, they just add another theory on it. Uh, and that's how science ha and medicine has evolved, and that's why it doesn't work. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a really interesting example because what would be the harm in an alternative theory? Would that just would it be an embarrassment to the establishment to think, oh, we actually got the we've had this wrong for two hundred years, or you know, is it just you no? Know, there's not not people investigating this anymore because it's done. It's you no, know, it's done and dusted. We figured that out already. Uh, it's partly that. It's partly that if you see one of the problems with scientists and medical doctors in particular, and this goes for everything. If you, not everything, mo very many things. If you, uh, if you say, well, who came up with this theory that the heart pumps the blood? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is a pressure propulsion device. They don't know. Uh, well, and so it just somehow became fact and nobody actually knows where it came from. Right. Look, let me give you another example. Uh, what is the shape of DNA? A double helix. Apparently. Okay. Uh, do you know who came up with that? I don't know. It, it's actually, you probably do. Watson and Crick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? 1953 paper in Nature. Uh, I Now, if you ask any medical doctor, and I, I, I totally want people to go do this. Have you ever read Watson and Crick's paper? It's published in Nature. You can easily find it on the internet. I don't know a single doctor who has, except okay. me. I did. Now, so I go to the paper, and this is a proof that DNA is a double helix, which is a huge part of the whole theory of genetics, right? Big time, yeah. So, so what does he say in there? He says, and I, I could read it to you. I'd have to go find the quote, so I don't really want to do that. So you can go and check me. Uh, he says, well, we assumed a rotational angle of every eight angstroms. Now think about that for a minute. Assumed. If I assume that something is shaped like this, oh my God, it's a circle. There isn't a measurement in the whole article. In other words, he came up in his mind or they came up in their minds with this model would work if it's a double helix. And so they said, we then assume that the rotational angle, which is the definition of a helix, right? It yeah. rotates every so often. And they never measured it. There's not a measurement in the whole paper. And then they showed an x-ray, uh, x-ray crystallography of something they claimed was purified DNA. Now let's let me just go back a little. How did they discover DNA? Right? Do you know you don't know that, right? You don't know. Guy named Meissner, 1930s. And I don't know if you're interested in this stuff, but this, yeah, is, this is good. So so they said at that time the DNA is in the nucleus, right? And it's a protein. And that we know that because it's rich in sulfur. 
So how? So then, nobody really asked the question. How did they figure that out? Well, they took a nucleus, and they dehydrated it, and then they mixed it with sulfuric acid, and they got sulfur-rich chemicals. So that was the the protein. Salt uh, proteins are sulfur-rich chemicals, so it's a protein. Meissner came along. Guy named guys. That's his name, Meissner. He said, "Wait, I have a different way." I'm going to extract it with phosphoric acid, and he got instead of a sulfur-rich chemical, he got a phosphorus-rich chemical, and then he said, "This can't be a protein. This is an entirely new class of chemicals. So we're going to call it DNA, which is a phosphorus-rich chemical." Now, if I was there, I would have said something like, "Yo, Meissner, how do you know that?" The, the you didn't get a phosphorus-rich chemical because you extracted it with phosphoric acid instead of sulfuric acid because there's no controls in the experiment. I read it, and he does he wouldn't know. So they get this chemical, and then they expose an X-ray beam on it for 62 continuous hours. That's pretty interesting. Like if I took your hand. And exposed it to an X-ray for 62 continuous hours, and then they get a picture on an X-ray film mm -hmm. like this, and they said that's a double helix. So that's where the original idea, and then they made the bond angle. What was so interestingly about that is a group of graduate students, about 20 years later, decided to repeat the X-ray study. But not with an extraction from a nucleus, but with the spring from a ballpoint pen. You know how you have pens and they have little springs. So they did that, and they got the exact same picture. And so, and at this point, all you can say is, we're equally likely to have a substance in the nucleus that's a phosphorus-rich chemical called DNA. Or it could be the spring of a ballpoint pen, and we can't really tell the difference because they, as far as the evidence is, they look the same. Well, like just thinking about like nineteen, did you say it's nineteen thirty-eight or something like that? It was back in the thirties and and the fifties. You were you you were using your examples from. I just think back then, like it would have been like tough times for for anybody and, and trying to make a name for yourself and 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 discover something would have been a very very important part of climbing the ladder being successful getting more money getting more success so do you think there's an element of that in regards to that example of i don't know do we call that lazy science or just poor science or just not science it's pseudoscience pseudoscience uh, i mean i i don't know the motivation of the guy i didn't i don't know meissner or rosalind franklin or watson and crick i mean you know, I know Watson and Crick were like Freemasons, you know, okay. so it's a little weird. And and they got this because his wife had a hallucination that there was a double helix. So that's like how we do science. Uh, so, so uh, you know, the, the caduceus is an ancient esoteric symbol. So I think it was an attempt. This is a speculation on my part. I sort of tend to not like to speculate because I don't know what his thinking was, right? I don't know the guy. 
but I think they were trying to co-opt an ancient esoteric symbol. Just right. here's another example of that. Um, the whole theory of genetics and protein synthesis, which is a big deal now because of mRNA shots, right? You've heard of those. I have. Is mRNA is translated into protein, right? That mRNA is the code for the protein, and the protein is makes up living systems like us. That's the structure, okay? And the way it works is DNA is in the nucleus, which you can see. You can see a nucleus and a cytoplasm. And then it makes mRNA in the nucleus. It gets out of the nucleus, goes to the cytoplasm, where it's translated, i.e. made into protein by on a structure called a ribosome, okay? Yeah. That's how it works. So you give an mRNA shot, it's supposed to make protein in the ribosome. Now, let's look at a few of those details. First of all, uh, do you know who, who discovered the ribosome? I don't. Right. Nobody, ask your doctor. He doesn't know either. So they, they have no idea, but I do because I look into these things. And so one of, one of the things that you find out is every picture of a ribosome, which you can only see in an electron microscope, is a perfect circle, right? Perfect circle, every single one. And that is the evidence that there is a structure. Now, in order to get an electron microscope picture, you take the tissue, right, whatever it is, you put it in a blender, and then you, you freeze it to about 180 degrees below zero, and then you put heavy metal stains on it and certain acids, and then you embed it in a resin, and then you shoot in a beam at it, which gets rid of all the water, and then you get a powder, and then you can see it with an electron microscope. What you're seeing is heavy metal staining, right? So those are the facts. Now, first question, if I did that to your hand, put it in a blender, dehydrated it, froze it, Etc. Do you think I would know what your hand looks like and what it does? No. No, because that's ridiculous. The second thing is, if if it's a perfect circle on a, a two-dimensional picture, it had to have been a sphere in real life. Right? That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So like an orange. Now, what are the chances if you took an orange and put it in a blender that all the pieces would be perfect circles. Slim. <laughs> I would say none. Slim but to none. I'll, I'll go with <laughs> So how did they get that picture? How is that every picture is a perfect circle? Uh, it, it cannot be. And so that structure doesn't actually exist. In fact, a guy named Harold Hillman proved that those pictures are gas bubbles. That's why they're perfect circles from dead and dying tissue that are fixed with a stain. And that's why you see them. And there is no anatomical structure called a ribosome, which means there's nowhere for this mRNA to be made into protein, which means the whole thing is a bunch of hooey. Now, Here's the interesting part of this that goes along with your question. 
Do you know what the word ribosome means? No. Rib, R-I-B, O, that's of, the soma. You know what a, the soma is? The body. The body. Have you ever heard the phrase rib of the body? No. Yes, you have. Rib How was body. Eve created? From God? No. Eve was, Adam was created from God. Okay. And Eve was created from the rib of the body of Adam. Oh, okay. That's what it says. I don't know if it's true, but that's what it says. Okay. So in other words, they're telling you that the creation of the physical structure of a human being, which is protein, is made from the rib of the body. <laughs> And so they're laughing at you. Okay. We know that it's like the Bible sort of thing, you know, but we're going to tell you it's this structure just because we're mocking you. So how do they come up with that? I mean, I don't know, uh, but it's the sort of, it, it's a frequent thing that happens like mockery. Now, the other part of that story is, remember the mRNA is made in the nucleus, right? And you can put a probe in the nucleus and the cytoplasm, and the pH is different. That's okay. easily measurable 100% of the time, which means the hydrogen ions don't go back and forth and equilibrate. Otherwise, the pH would be the same. Right? Right. So that means the, P the hydrogen ions can't go back and forth. And so somehow there, the mRNA is a million times bigger than a hydrogen ion, right? It's got this whole long molecule with thousands of hydrogens. So how do you have a door that lets the mRNA out of the nucleus, but doesn't let the hydrogen ion go in and out? Right. Or put it another way, I got this elephant and I want a door to let the elephant out that the door keeps the mosquitoes from going in and out. Okay. How do I make the door? <coughs> Answer, you don't. Okay. <laughs> there ain't no door. They can't see the door. That's not possible. It's just pure, <laughs> it's nonsense. So the whole thing is nonsense. And like I say, you know, you can go into the whole history of this but and you can say well what difference does this make <laughs> this is the whole basis of of modern medicine that's why they give you these these covid shots to make you make protein which by the way no covid shot has ever made anybody make a spike protein that's nonsense so that's a whole lot of information and I appreciate the breakdown because it's very, very interesting to, to, to go through that, go through that journey. Why is it that, um, you're, you're in a very small group of individuals to think this way and to do alternative research or actual research and look deep into the, um, the creation of, well, looking at the, these initial experiments, looking at the actual, research that was done you looking at the actual wording that was written down by those individuals who were doing these exact you know doing these measurements etc um you talk about the the dna for example 
why is it that that is not a you're you're not in the conventional thought you're on the you know what would you, i mean what would you describe yourself as if you were on the other side of the fence so let me give you an example right i like dialogues right because it makes people helps people understand mm -hmm. so i'm a conventional virologist right my salary is $250,000 a year. I have a wife who has a Mercedes, and I have two kids in private school, right? That's not an unusual situation. No. And I'm a fairly good, well-known virology researcher. Okay? Got me? Yep, gotcha. Okay. I heard this Schmo Cowan. You know, he's kind of an asshole. But anyways, <laughs> I, I, I heard him give a talk, and he broke down the history of virology proving that that the way that we find viruses is fraudulent so okay. i'm a virology researcher so i decided i think this guy's an idiot but i'm going to look into it and i did the experiment with the appropriate controls that cowan said right and i found out he was right that what we say, which is the breakdown of cells and culture, proves there's a virus. If you actually do the proper controls, you find out it's the conditions of the experiment and there is no virus present. So that's pretty interesting. So I went to my head of my company in the department at the university and I said, Fred, look, I proved without a shadow of doubt, which, by the way, we did. We, we did this experiment proved without a shadow of a doubt that the way they say they found viruses is anti-scientific fraud. So I go to the guy, I say, yo, Joe, look at this experiment. I proved that there's no such thing as viruses. They can't possibly exist because the way we say that is, you know, you can demonstrate with proper controls and science. It's not true. Take a look at this. Joe looks at it. He says, yep, Fred, two things. A, you're right. B, you're fired. <laughs> so Fred goes home. He says, I, wife, I got some good news here. Uh, I, I, I told Fred, I told Joe, you know, the, you know, Joe, he's the head of the department, about my experiments and, and showing that there's no viruses. And, you know, this is a virology company and, and, and department. And he was really interested. And so what happened? Uh, well, he fired me. Uh, so what are you going to do now? I think I'm going to grow carrots. You don't even know how to, you don't even know how to plant a seed. Like you've never grown a carrot. So what are you going to do? How am I going to, what are we going to do with the children? Yeah. I don't know. But, but look, look, wife, we got, you know, integrity is everything. I, I'm here. You know, I don't know. What do you, that's not going to work. That is not going to work. Now, I'm not saying every, so what we hear, what we hear is, okay, we contact virologists, we contact geneticists. We, we actually say, here are the experiments that would validate your, your claims. Let's live with the results. Number one, do you have any suggestions about how to improve the, the experiments? No. These are perfectly right. Do you have any, any reference that these experiments have been done? 
No. Will you do them? No. Why not? Not doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you. Why? I mean, it's a spell. And, and it's it's that scenario I said. These guys are, you know, doctors, three hundred thousand dollars in debt. If they do that, you know, if they don't work in a place and do the thing, you know, that they're supposed to do, mm -hmm. they got no job. They've got no training for anything else. Yeah. They kicked out of the tribe. This is an existential crisis. You you are thrown to the wolves kicked out of the tribe, your whole worldview has shattered, and you are a mess. It would be a and lot easier to just live a lie and carry on, wouldn't it? It's a lot easier. Now, some of us, I mean, I just didn't care. I don't know why, you know, that's complicated. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, for me, I, you know what? I, I, I get it. I understand why a lot of, a lot of doctors live the lie and continue to just do things as normal. Don't rock the boat and get on with things like life is hard enough anyway. But, um, I, I always think about, um, what somebody's bias and for like, for example, I, I grew up watching Manchester United when I was six years old, I went to my first game when I was six and regardless of how bad they are, cause they're really bad at the moment. I will always, I will always argue, not argue, but I will always convince myself that they're the best and they could be the best. And I'm just, just because I'm part of the team and it is, it is dogmatically literally within my DNA to fight for that team, regardless of my, you know, if I could actually put my emotions aside and be with my intellect, I'd be like, no, like my team is awful. They're not playing well because of this, this and this. And, you know, I can see the problems within that whole team, the whole structure of the organization. And it really should literally be ripped down from the ground up. But I can guarantee you, by the way, that it's not in your DNA. Oh, no, 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 for sure. It's not definitely not. You said that. It's yeah, I, I, I kind of said that as a little pun to what we were talking about earlier, but... <laughs> um it's um no i to and i totally understand that you know if you were to you know you for example if your parents were doctors your grandparents were doctors and you you wanted to be a doctor but you, you know you maybe you didn't want to be but you kind of were th thrown into that and you spent what seven plus years learning very specific ways and uh, of doing things and you get chucked into a yeah a, a dogmatic organization and you come out the other end of it with huge debt with a very specific skill set to use going forward for the you know for the next 60 years of your life you would have to be you know you you're you, you've pledged you've pledged an oath to yeah. that organization and it's um you're most people are, are bound to that and it's a very unique set of circumstances that would allow somebody to throw all of that away and actually survive like literally survive with food on the table yeah a bed to sleep in very unique circumstance where that would actually be available to somebody so i totally understand why very very smart individuals can like don't don't ask more questions and will not like question for example vaccines or question 
we have a huge chronic disease issue, perhaps pharmaceutical upon pharmaceutical upon pharmaceutical might not be the best approach to something that has a root, a root cause somewhere else that might be, be better dealt with nutrition, movement, supplementation, chelation therapies, things like these. Like I totally understand why these poor individuals are, yeah, are like sucking at the teat of this organization that just 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 feeds more and more individuals like this into this very narrow reductionist way of thinking. And it chooses the peak, you know, um, as one of my heroes, Ivan Illich said, what happens if you do well in school is you get the dubious privilege of being able to consume more school until <laughs> You've consumed so much school mm -hmm. that the only people you can actually talk to are people who've consumed a similar amount of school. That's right. Interesting. There, there you go. And so that's your world. And if you want to get out of the world, you've got to have a plan. And most people, they just never even consider it. Yeah, that's wild. It's really wild. I mean, it's obviously... A there's so much to unpack there. I mean, I think asking a question about like where, where are things gone wrong within medicine and health and our attitudes and approach towards healing? Like, where has it really gone wrong? And is there is there a way back? I mean, what do you think about that? Where we went wrong? Yeah, is there? A, is, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to force you into a short answer. But there, it's it's a it's a to 10 hour conversation, isn't it really? But it's like, is there any specific things that you can really hit yeah, on the I mean, head to lay where we've gone happened, wrong? Uh, all of the traditional medical schemes. So we're talking Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, even ancient Egyptian medicine and that all had the conception of, you know, living things as being various forms of electromagnetic energy. You know, higher frequencies, lower frequencies, and somehow, in a way that I don't understand, and I don't think anybody does, lower frequencies become what we call physical matter. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that works, but that seems to be the, uh, the case. Around the 1860s, when a lot of things changed, and we, can, we don't need to get into all the things that changed then. The whole history changed. The whole, everything changed. They came out with a materialistic, reductionist view of stuff. So Rudolf Virchow says, uh, life are, all life are made of cells. He said that because he saw cells in a, on an onion under a microscope. So therefore, all living things are made of cells. And he was roundly criticized. He had no evidence for this, but it became fact. Uh, then came Pasteur and the germ theory, and then eventually DNA and all the chemicals. And so now we have a theory that we are, and then came, importantly, this is a huge deal, the theory of the atom. So we're, this stuff, this materialistic stuff like chemicals and hormones and <clears throat> tissue is made of atoms, random atoms bouncing around 
and the atom is made of protons and nuclei and neutrons in a nucleus and electrons spinning around them. Now, interestingly, one of the foremost authorities on the nuclear atom theory is a guy named Erwin Schrodinger. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Schrodinger's cat. He's about oh, as of course, yeah. Yeah, he's his fame. He's like Albert Einstein. So just as a quote, it's not a quote because I don't remember exact, but he said, yeah, you know, if you looked at an atom, you would never see an electron. There's no such thing as an electron. And it has now been disproven that there's electrons going around in orbit. So the whole theory of particles has been disproven. There are no particles. Now, because they're wedded to this uh, materialistic particle reductionist way of thinking, you are forced to say that everything after that is made of these collection of particles. That's You have to say that. And so they did. And so the way the nerves work is that the chemicals are bouncing, even though chemical reactions are way too slow for the experience of your nerves. That's interesting to think about. Yeah. Right? If you think, you know, a conduction goes, and then the, the, the chemicals swim across the synapse and go to the next one, and the whole thing takes about five seconds. Right. So, in other words, if you say move your finger, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, boom. Like, that's not how it works. But we have this theory, so they have to say how it works. Now, what then happened is, I would say, quote, nefarious interests, mainly the Rockefellers and Rothschilds and people like that, realized that this model of reality and biology and medicine was a useful tool to essentially enslave the masses. And That's a big the, realization to have for like one person or one organization to have, right? That's a pretty insane. Well, it's an insane concept to just like just to pull out of the air and realize. Do you not think so? Which the idea that using the um, understanding that we had at the time or still have of, of our universe being made of matter and our senses that we that the things the things that we sense in our in our world that's that's our reality and that's it and using that as, as an advantageous way to enslave people yeah but it's very it's very consistent because if these diseases which by the way you can't define like you can't define what measles is okay you say it's a rash and a fever and an ear infection which all happen in other things but the definition is coplic spots. Those are white spots inside the cheek. So I looked it up when I was in medical school. 40% of the children diagnosed with measles don't have coplic spots. Huh. So what is that? That's non-coplic spots measles. But wait a minute. You just told me that the definition of measles huh. is you had to have coplic spots. Yeah, but some of the people don't have Catholic spots. So how do you know it's measles? Well, because, because it is. And I thought, this is, 
It's like rheumatoid arthritis. You got you got to have positive rheumatoid factor. Thirty percent of the people have the exact same symptoms, but don't have the antibody rheumatoid factor. So what is that? That's rheumatoid negative rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> you so see, lazy, so lazy, here's though. the thing, Simon. I got these <laughs> animals in my yard, and and some of them have feathers and go rock rock like that, and some of them have fur and a tail and go meow. Right. And those what first ones are chickens, and the second ones are non-feathered chickens. Here, here's the thing: if people talked like that in normal in a way, you would think this guy is an But if if a scientist does it, your doctor says, "Oh, you have non-rheumatoid factor rheumatoid arthritis." Oh my God! They're like, what happens? It's not good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so they realized that with these categories, they could they could treat everybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, you could have a viral infection. Show me the virus. I can't. Well, how do you know it's a viral? Because because you're sick. <laughs> so then you can inoculate everybody whether they're sick or not and that you make billions of dollars it used to be you know if you ask your grandparents how often did you go to the doctor i you know once every 20 years because you know they lived 20 miles away and right. you don't want to go and anyways they were you know what the word doctor means teacher no no what what do you do if you doctor a document if you doctor a document, I don't know. Yeah, you do. You change the document. Okay. What about if you doctor somebody's food? You change their food? And in a not such a good way, right? Right, yeah. Like if I said, here, I doctored your food. Here, here's your food. You wouldn't need it, right? Probably not. What does the word cure mean? To alter, to fix. No, if you cure meat, what do you do? Oh, okay, you, you're aging it. Preserve it. Preserving. Right? You agree? I agree, yeah. Okay, you go to somebody and he says, hi, I'm a doctor and I'm going to cure your cancer. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, I have nefarious interests and I'm going to make sure you always have, we're going to preserve your cancer so you always have it. Which is exactly what happened. Wow. They realized that, you know, this this manipulating of the language. Right? It's and, powerful. If you control yeah. the language, we've seen that very heavily in the last few years. If you control the language, you can control definitions and even change them in the moment. You can it can have a significant impact. Yeah. And you change you change how people think. Mm -hmm. So they're going to doctor you to make sure you're cured <laughs> and that's exactly what they do now that people realized this is an amazing model to make money right and to control people because they're scared out of their mind and they they do whatever you say and that's what we saw in the last four years and you at the top of the show, we we're talking about authority and a, and a, and a, and a you know a child and a, and a father as an authority figure. Do we have a um, 
dysregulated relationship with our authority figures as, as adults, as most, as most people walking around, do you think that's a, a huge part of the problem? Yes, we have people who by their chronological age are adults, but by their emotional, intellectual, psychological age are two-year-olds. Right. That's a bad combination. And all they want yeah. is, to, is to be absolved of their sins, which is why what you see this in practice. Guy goes in, you know, and he smokes and drinks and never been outside and is on a computer all day and eats crappy food. And, and then he gets this and he gets these shots, which we now know, you know, cause you to get cancer. And then he gets a tumor right something grows because mm -hmm. basically because the tumor is is the therapy for storing the garbage it's like if i yeah. threw a whole bunch of garbage in your house you would put it in bags in the garage it, you wouldn't say the bags of garbage that's the solution to having your house garbaged correct right like that so like you go that. in and you and this person knows that all they did, right? They know that and there's, so they go and they say, oh, what's the problem? So, oh, I found out you have a tumor. So what do you think caused this? It's genetic. You have nothing to do with it. You didn't do anything wrong here. You're absolved of your sins. <laughs> and as long as you do what I say, mm -hmm. you, you, you will be good. You just made a deal with the devil. The devil says, I will give you relief from this thinking that you know, you know that all this shit that you did, you know, the shots and the, you know, the, the smoking dope all the time, <laughs> you know, that wasn't so good for you, you know, uh -huh. but, and that probably led to this, but he just told you, no, none of that. You don't have any responsibility for any of this stuff that happens. You're, we are the priesthood. We absolve you of your sins. Go, my son, don't sin again. What sinning means is stopping your chemo. Uh -huh. Yeah. As long as you don't do that, you're good. That is that's, a hell of a business model. That's, a ge that's the genius part of the plan, I guess, because, yeah, like taking that responsibility for yourself. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to do that they don't know how to do that and they right. pro probably weren't raised in a particular way where they were they had responsibilities from a young age and actually how good it feels to, to do that and I, I don't know if they do if they teach a whole lot of responsibility in school these days but yeah that's an actual that's a very very genius part of the of the whole scheme yeah as soon as you take responsibility so you know i mean i was trained as a doctor i know you know th there's three reasons people get sick uh, they, you have an infection, which doesn't exist. You got genes, which don't, don't do what they say <laughs> or bad luck. That's it. You ever hear a doctor say any other reason why you got sick? No, I guess not. I suppose accidents just fall under bad luck. Yeah. Right? You, get, you, you get fell off a horse. Yeah. That's it. The other one, interestingly, they say, yeah, dumbass, you smoked all the time. Yeah, they had this thing about smoking. <laughs> like, it, you can do anything else, you know, but smoking, 
<laughs> that's a bad one. Right. Then you're a dumbass and you deserve it. Everything else, it's not your fault. You're absolved. And people experience that as a huge relief. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have a diagnosis and it's not my fault. It's just genetic. Well, and it totally um, helps people validate their actions in the past, which they know in the they, they knew in the moment and they knew in the long term would not, not be beneficial for them. But actually, yeah, wiping that slate clean of somebody with with that white coat on in that office is, uh, yeah, it's like no different than going to the priest and having your sins washed away, I guess. Yeah. That's it's why very it's very powerful. Yeah. Very, oh, super powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It changes people's... Um, thought patterns energy etc yeah. and, and and that will uh vibrate into so many different parts of their own life if if they're not 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 and, and that's what it. works they actually they feel better yeah oh no absolutely yeah I've, I've no, for no, a while for a while and then the devil gets his due <clears throat> yeah that's it that's right i want to there's so many areas we could come on I've, I've got to get you back on the show to talk more about um viruses and also the the, the heart that we were discussing before that's a very i'm just very interested in that in general but um i'd love to talk about um new biology um can you tell us a little bit about more what that is your website thenewbiology.com the future of healing is here um i'd love can you tell us a little bit more about that please so bottom line you know like i said i you know i was a general doctor 37 years and all that and so i <laughs> I'm familiar with the rap, but here's the deal. When you go to a doctor, you or anybody, they treat you based on theories. In other words, you got a, you got snot coming out of your nose. The theory is a virus, so they give you an antiviral or a vaccine. You have sore joints. It's The theory is it's an autoimmune disease, and it's caused by antibodies, even though that's been disproven. The theory is you have blocked arteries. That's why you have a heart attack, even though that's not true. On and on and on. They treat you with theories. And it, interestingly, I would say disproven theories. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think you're going to get better uh, being treated by disproven theories, <laughs> then you're not for us. Okay. But, but who is for us? So let me give you a guy comes in, like my foot hurts. When did it start? Uh, two months ago. What happened? Well, every morning my wife took this hammer and, and hit me in the foot. Where? Right, right there. And it's that part there. Is that the part that swollen? Yeah, that's a, every morning she did that. I don't know why she was pissed about something. <laughs> and so now two months later, what do you think happened, Doc? Well, I think it's because your wife hit you with the foot, with the hammer, and that's why your foot hurts. So I have an idea. Why don't you get your wife to not hit you with the hammer for three weeks, come back and tell me how your foot is. <laughs> now, that's a stupid example, but there's no theory, <laughs> right? Yeah. Those are the observed facts of your story. Now, it turns out if you question people properly, they know what happened to them. It's amazing. I, you know, I was, I did this for 20 years. What's your hammer? And when you put people in a situation where no matter what they, you, they say, 
you're going to essentially validate or have empathetic, you know, empathic listening. It somehow unlocks what Carl Rogers called the right brain, which knows what happened to you. And then you find the story and then you interface with that, that causal agent. And it could be, you know, true story, 12 year old guy, he was totally fine. And I make him prove to me that he was totally fine before he was 12. Played on the soccer team, helped his dad in the machine shop, you know, walked, went on hikes, etc. And I say it back to him. What happened then? I went and got a flu shot. What happened then? A week later, I'm paralyzed from the waist down. They said it was Guillain-Barre syndrome. Six years later, I can still walk a little bit, but not very much. And I've never recovered. And I wonder if you could do. Then I go through the story and he says, I went to six neurologists and A, not one of them really asked me what happened. And then occasionally I said, do you think it was the flu shot? They said, no. Even though I showed him the package insert, side effect of flu shot Guillain-Barre paralysis of your lower extremities. So that was his story. Mm -hmm. And then he says to me, Tom, do you know how to get over the repercussions of a flu shot? And I said, yeah, you should try this and call me in a month and see if it gets better. And sure enough, it did. And then he could walk fine. And again, there was no theory here. And I'm not treating Guillain-Barre, right? Because that doesn't actually exist. I'm treating a story which is he was poisoned by a flu shot and there's very specific poisons in there mm -hmm. which can be eliminated if you do it right now that may be a different story with the next person who's paralyzed and so or weak in his legs and and that's this that's the new biology strategy it's based on the reality of what's happening and and the, the understanding that the patient, the person, actually knows what happened to them. And we're not putting spells on people. We're just you know, hearing the story. And then we have a repertoire of things to do depending on what the story is. That's what I think is the future of healing. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, and the website's great as well. We're going to touch on also, I'd love to learn about your online learning center that you have there as well. But just um, just to bounce off what you were talking about there, for me, yeah, when you explain that like all these, all these dis diseases, these diseases, these pathologies that are just theories, it makes sense to me that they are just theories and a lot of them nonsensical because we don't have a whole lot of healthy people walking around. We have a significant amount of chronically sick individuals rather than you would expect with all these all this the science that's done and all the research that's done and all the absolute scientific fact that we have and the solutions and cures that go along with it that we would have a significantly healthier population <laughs> we don't but we don't no everyone's sick and tired and it's uh yeah getting worse and worse especially i lived in i lived in the uk for 21 years I lived in sweden for 10 years and i'm now living in north america for going on eight now and um 
North Americans are just like it's just like everyone is everyone is sick. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild. And, and no one's question. No one's, question no one's questioning it either. Like it's just like it's because it's happened so gradually. Sorry to interrupt you there, but it's happened so gradually that it just seems to be this just like normal thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, hi, I'm Simon. I have got this, this, and this. This is my normal pathologies that I have. This is my. This is just me. Yeah. And everyone's just got that and like their disease or their symptoms is just a huge, it's just another part of their personality, just like having brown hair or a beard. Yeah. I mean, I think of that, you know, with my four cats who, you know, basically live mostly outside and they only eat what they catch and they eat raw meat. Mm. And, you know, in the, in the accumulated eight years that we've had them, nothing you know, none of them have ever had any, any, well, I think pumpkin threw up once. I think he ate a mouse head by just swallowed it or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's normal, right? That's a normal uh, living species, how they live. Naturally. That's what we yeah. should be. Uh, because and they're outside in the sun, grounded to the earth, eating the food that's appropriate to them doing a lot of movement and climbing trees and chasing mice and rabbits. And, and as long as nobody messes with them, mm -hmm. right, that should go on for their net natural life. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I guess they're being they're They're just following their own instinctual universal nature. Yeah, rather rather than the, you know, kind of like, crappy cat food and dairy milk that that, that my, I, don't know, I don't i don't know what cats consume these days i had cats when i was young but i'm sure they just had uh cat food from the store and just drank milk yeah. right I assume you have that i'm sure if you put two of your cats on that diet and two of them you kept normal you would you, your vet bills would start going up yeah i mean we feed them ground up rabbits yeah that sounds delicious well, and, I think. That, you know and so nobody no no doctor these days asks so, you know, it, we don't eat ground up rabbits, but what is the human diet? What is the human activity? Mm -hmm. What is the human way of seeing the world? You know, uh, are you doing that? Well, no, you know, I never actually do anything but sit in front of a computer and I eat Doritos from a can, you know, and drink Coca-Cola and, and, and I get these shots all the time and immunosuppressive drugs mm -hmm. that's how i live that's the experiment that's that's so off so off nature it's wild and people know people know it as well yeah but right. obviously a lot of these foods play with neurochemistry in very specific ways that make it very difficult for people to to, to get off to get off it i guess yeah yeah anyway. That's the story. That's the story. Um, Tom, can you tell us about your online learning center? What can people gather from that? What can people get from your website? You know, if they were looking to learn more about, about what you're putting out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I was convinced, you know, it's time you keep talking about this. Why, why don't you have a, like a course? So we've organized, you know, into modules. So groups of anywhere between 10 and 20 people. A lot of them are practitioners of various sorts, and they want a different way, right? They want something new. Uh, and so we organize it into how do you talk to a patient and the whole germ theory, and then 
there's lectures on it uh, that are on that we've done either I've done or some other people and articles and books and then they read that and we get together and, and have a group conversation every two or three weeks and they ask whatever they ask and then we do heart disease heart you know what is the heart doing what you know if it's not a pump how does the blood move mm -hmm. uh, what what about the plaque in the arteries what is that doing and uh, all that stuff very so cool. at the end of that they <laughs> hopefully know more about reality than when they started do you have to be a practitioner to jump onto that not not really we started like that but so many people wanted to do it who weren't that we opened it up yeah that's really cool i can think of a, an organization now that I, i'm a part of that i think that, that could really benefit from something like this because i think yeah if you know I'd, I'd like to get you back on the show to talk more even to specifically about the heart because if that function that we've learned about that we've been told is correct and where you know some people are maybe exercising or eating to strengthen their heart specifically to do this function that we believe that it does then it makes sense to me that you know if it if the actual factual function of it is different we should probably be doing different things to actually yeah, get the most exactly. benefit from, from it yeah which is super fascinating but um people can connect with you at the new biology.com do you have any other channels or um yeah any the, other the places? best one is dr tom cowan d-r-t-o-m-c-o-w-a-n.com okay and then all the curriculum and the new biology clinic and everything else kind of comes from there yeah, the website's super clean. It looks really nice. The curriculum up there, it, it looks great. If people want to check that out and dive in a little bit deeper, that would be wonderful. Um, just to finish off with a question that we kind of touched on at the beginning of the show, um, just want to offer some potential like solutions, whether that's something actually practical or something people can start just thinking about. I think you've given us a lot to think about already, but how do you think one begins a journey towards the unconventional? Because that's that's you know that's that's black sheep stuff that's going against the grain that's really difficult for a lot of people to do i think more and more people are wanting to slip into that environment now more than ever i'd like to think so anyway um so how do you think people can begin to actually start that pathway towards being unconventional i tell you it, this may sound like a funny answer but the most important switch is when you go from uh, trying to weigh different possibilities to the essence of science, which is investigating claims. Mm -hmm. So what happens, what I mean by that is somebody says, uh, okay, chickenpox caused by a virus. And you, you say, uh, okay, let's investigate that claim. Now, within seconds, the person will say, well, if it's not chicken, if it's not caused by a virus, what is the cause? That is an inappropriate question. Okay. And it will lead you nowhere. Uh, the essence of science is falsifying claims. Because once you uh, falsify that there is no evidence that chickenpox is a contagious. There's been study after study showing that I have them, you know, on my website, and, or that a virus has been found as the causative agent, or even found anywhere. Mm -hmm. Then you're left in a in a uncertain state. 
right? You don't know what the cause of this phenomena is. You see something, you know it's not what you thought it was, because that's proven. And you have to get, now you're in a state which I call the state of wonder. In other words, you, you for a moment say, I wonder what do, what's happening here. Something is happening. And I, what, what I thought it was is not true. I wonder what is true. Now, then you will, you will confront this demon in you that says, Simon, get out of that state of not knowing. You got to decide what it is. Mm -hmm. And you don't know. So you say, okay, it must be a virus. <laughs> or it must be electromagnetic fields, which you don't even have proof of that either. So I wouldn't even go there. You just don't know. Yeah. Now, if you can stay there and fight off the demons, now I have a theory for you. The, the world will help you out. Somehow you will have an intuition or somebody will say something to you which will allow you to see the next step. But if you don't allow yourself to stay in that open, what I call state of wonder, you'll never see the next step. Because you're, I, I decided it's the virus, it's the field, it's the whatever. Yeah. And every time in my life that I've committed to doing that, I'm just going to live with the I don't know. I know it's not this. I know the heart isn't a pump. I don't know why the blood moves. Next day, somebody sends me an article saying, this is a way of thinking about what makes the blood move. And there you go. If you don't stay in that state, that is the state that will change your life in a way you will, you will never turn back. But it's not easy because you, you, the demons come. Yeah, well, you're going against decades of solidified thought, I guess, and belief. And I, I, I looked up the kind of definition we have of conventional right now before the show. I, I looked it up and it's based on or in accordance with what is generally done or believed. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect note to finish on. Um, I really appreciate your your time today, Tom. I'd love to get you back on the show to talk about some more specific things around viruses and the heart. I think that's very, very fascinating stuff that a lot of people are going to be very interested to learn more about. And um, I will make sure that the um, that the new biology website, your course, the curriculum is available for people in the show notes so they can learn more about you and your work and your books. But um, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Simon. It's been fun. Awesome. Appreciate it. Well, that is it for this episode of True Hope Cast, the official podcast for True Hope Canada. Again, you can catch all of the um, all the links and the necessary things to connect with um, with Tom in the show notes. But that is it. We'll see you soon.